I look around a lot just because I want to see where people are and I want to race. But yeah, <laughs> I've tried to like bring it down a little bit. I used to I used to hear a lot about it when I was an age group swimmer from other coaches, from my parents, no matter who it was. <laughs> Welcome to Social Kick. I'm Brian Lundquist. We got a full crew, Dr. John Mullen, Luke Paddington, and fresh off of another meet, Trenton Julian. What's going on, man? How are you? Pretty good. I'm actually up here in Berkeley right now, kind of have a little goodbye party for one of my uh, uh, roommates back when I was here. So just uh, while they moved to the East Coast, come up for a weekend. Sure looks like a college environment with the uh, 2021 <laughs> men swimming and diving champs banner in the background. How about like being a uh, an elder statesman on a team and you get to take all the banners and signage down from <laughs> Pac-12s and NCs and all that? That's fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, dude. So uh, we asked our audience on Instagram some questions. We got a few uh, from them. The first is first experience shaving your legs. Tell us about that. Oh, that's hard. Um, first experience shaving, I actually remember in general was I had a, it was called like leagues, I guess, for high school. And it was, I think my freshman year, maybe sophomore year, but I was, hadn't really ever thought about shaving and my, my dad, my coach, whatever, kind of came up to me. I was like, let's just like try just shaving face and arms and see how see how it goes. And I remember like not really knowing what I was doing and um, just going into the meet. And I never really had any facial hair. So it was just like shaving and didn't really feel like I did anything. But I hit the water and it just feels like the water is not even like touching me. I just remember that weird feeling was like the first time I was like, okay, like <laughs> this feels pretty cool. All right, who's, but, um, who's your favorite teammate to shave partner with and let's shave your back? <laughs> um, I don't know. I've a lot of the time recently has been just shaving on my own, but I remember a couple meets now I've had uh, shaving partners with Tom and Tom, you know, the experience, he, uh, he knows what he's doing. So it's pretty easy yeah. just getting it done, getting pretty quick through with him. So I say Tom Fields. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Speaking of Tom, uh, Tom submitted, and he would like to know when we see in a 50 point. <laughs> Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. A lot more uh, speed work, a lot more uh, strength work coming in, so I'm feeling pretty good about it. Tom, this is a, a couple of years ago now, but Tom once told us that he was the fastest underwater kicker in the world. Do you believe that was ever true? Um, I, I, I think it would be true, especially, you know, distance. I think there are guys that are really quick off the blocks and really quick off those first underwater kicks. Just consistent speed. Tom, I think, has has many people beat. <laughs> yeah, he did say it was a third turn that he was the fastest. Nobody's faster than a third mm -hmm. turn. Yeah, as well. Yeah, I definitely see that. All right, no shade to uh, John's neighbors there in the Seattle area. Um, Marshawn is not Cal's greatest football alum ever, but Aaron Rodgers is. And is he going to the Jets or is he retiring, Trenton? Honestly, I don't watch NFL a ton, but I feel like I feel like he'll keep going at least another season. All right, you heard it here first. Okay. <laughs> Give us the update on uh, that's enough for those questions. Uh, what's what's uh, you know, you had some good swims in Fort Lauderdale, 155. Um, good to free. How'd you feel about the meet there in uh, so Southern Florida? Oh, that was actually my first time in Florida, so I loved it out there. I'm always a big fan of the warmer weather, like 80, 80 degrees felt like perfect to me, honestly. But um, for the swims itself, I felt pretty good about I 
my stroke in general, I was looking at video and kind of going through my own race plan and stuff. And I felt pretty heavy, but feel like I executed my races basically how I wanted to for all, all the way through hundred fly, 200 fly, 200 free. I was pretty happy with the 200 free, especially just cause I wasn't quite comfortable or confident in my freestyle moving in. My fly is always able to kind of hit pace. My freeze always kind of hit or miss. So I was pretty, pretty excited about how that one went, especially. Yeah, it looks like, um, you know, obviously on the, on the women's side, there were some fast swims with <laughs> Summer McIntosh throwing down. And uh, what, did, what did you think was the swim of the meet? Was it, was it Ilya blasting by you on that last 50 or the two five? <laughs> that was pretty sick. <laughs> that was pretty crazy. Yeah, I was kind of going into the race thinking, you know, 155 would be great. That'll probably be like the top end guys. And I saw him blow by me the last year. And it's like, wow, like I'm hitting a wall. I'm definitely going to be like 157 at best. I kind of turned around and saw the 54.4. I remember talking to him before and he had like told me his best time was around 56, six mid or something. And I, I, I thought that was like, he had a lot more in him and he could go faster, of course, but 154 right now, February, that was not expected, but um, probably it's hard to say swimming to me, honestly, for me, I definitely think has, has to be on the woman's side. Those, uh, the swims from summer and Reagan were pretty quick all the way through. Yeah. Speaking of recent swims, um, Kaylee McEwen broke the 200 back world record. Um, like you said, Reagan had a great 200 back at, at the Fort Lauderdale as well. And any initial thoughts to the 200 back world record going down and geez, still in March. Yeah. I mean, I was super surprised. I saw that like early this morning when I woke up and I didn't, I saw it not even on one of the like media sites. So I was like, it's just like a recent thing. Like this just happened. And uh, I was real? Looking, yeah, exactly. I was like looking up, I ended up looking up like all through like the splits and the social and the just reports about, it. I was like, wow, that's, that's a really fast time to hit right now. And I have no idea where they are in their training or where she is, but that's uh, it'll be pretty fun to watch that turn her back battle. What do you think about the concept of having music playing during the meet? Should we do this at every meet? I like it. Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, you know, a lot of guys are putting on headphones anyway, so I don't think it really affects a lot of people in that sense. But I, other than like when we're getting behind the blocks, getting ready and kind of needs to be silent, why not have music? Why not have something playing so we're not just hearing water splashing or whatever's going on in the race? What, is, what do you think would be your least favorite song to listen to while you're racing? That's hard. Um, I've never really been a fan of like, I guess, classical music. <laughs> Just because that's always kind of putting me in, like, a, take a, yeah, taking a nap or something, you know. <laughs> Some Beethoven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, I wanted to, wanted to get into your family history a little bit because it's so epic that, um, you know, you're the you're the offspring of two national teamers. I, I'm sh maybe that's happened before to have a national <laughs> teamer uh, have parents who are too. But um, have you ever talked to your parents about? pump up songs or like what got them fired up yeah i actually talked to my dad about this a lot especially in high school because i was you know trying to find songs to listen to before and i honestly like with my parents we listened to a lot of country when i was growing up so that wasn't really something i was going to listen to before a race to get myself ready <laughs> so i i remember talking to my dad and he said before a race he would kind of find this like secluded area and sit down and a song he would almost always listen to is eye of the tiger so I've like almost always had that on my playlist since then. 
That reminds me of walkouts at Auburn Duel Meets. Hell yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be like the number one Auburn walkout song, huh, B? <laughs> yeah. Right. For sure. I never thought about it, but yeah, it's got to be. It's classic. Ours was Mortal Kombat theme song from 1995. <laughs> and we used to have these nice. big, big like ghetto blasters, like boom boxes. And ghetto blasters. We came out of the, of the locker room and we played it and we thought we were the coolest shit. Man, yeah, 19 again. Anyway, yeah. Other other than that, like uh, I know a big um, kind of uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for tradition for the Cal group before dual meet. I remember coming in my freshman year, and this was like I think Ryan Murphy's one of his top songs to put on before a dual meet was a uh, sandstorm or something. <laughs> it was just kind of getting everyone pumped up and ready to go, especially in the Cal locker room where everyone's just kind of jumping and getting ready to race. Yeah. <laughs> did, did Murph, uh, did Murph turn the lights down low and get the glow sticks out? <laughs> I, I never got to experience it with him. I came in right when he was gone. So I, I, I can't say, yeah. Oh, Florida people. Jacksonville showing up strong right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, yeah, I, I want to take, take it back to Kaylee swim today and, and, and Tom Shields and, and then how you just swam when Ilya swim. Uh, Tom told us a couple of years ago, and it was right in the middle of ISL, that, that he he was just learning to swim fast on any given day. Like he was just like he was training body like any given day, he could just put down a fast time and go for it. And that's something he worked on. And it seemed like you know, Kaylee just did that in, at the news at, at the state championship meet. Um, have you uh, do you need a lot of rest to swim fast? How are you have you changed in how you are able to swim fast? And if you were pumped up enough and got ready, you could put down a you could drop a 154 like that or do you are the kind of someone that needs that good rest still or in between um i definitely feel like i've kind of gone up and down through that through my college career and now as a pro definitely when i started out my freshman year i was definitely that swimmer that needed the rest and i needed to kind of get my body ready and it was hard for me to get up and race when i wasn't fully prepared yeah. and then as i got through the college experience i feel like i really got through got to the point where i could race no matter when no matter what time if the, if Dave told me we're suiting up tomorrow, go fast. It was, all right, I start my plan at night, I get ready, um, and I'm getting up and ready to go in the morning, and I can swim fast then. But um, definitely thinking about now and, like, my racing this past weekend, I think I'm able to race at a certain level, you know, even in season or if I'm broken down or anything. But I, I feel like the rest will definitely help me come in the end of the season. Do you think it's easier to do to get up and race um, when you want short course like, um, over long course, especially because you're underwaters? And because um, I'm thinking back in the World Cup circuit back in the fall, uh, you put together some really strong back-to-back swims in, in close proximity, right? So, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I definitely think I was able to kind of push through the short the short course swims, no matter what, if it's yards or meters. It's kind of just that I can get my tempo up and kind of just get off a turn, do a couple of kicks. Even if my kicks aren't the best, I still can kind of ride them into my stroke pretty well and keep that rhythm. Mm -hmm. Whereas long course, it's really that, you know, kind of got to be ready to go and ready to hold it for a while. And if it's, if I'm starting to feel pain and starting to fall off, it's, it's hard to figure out a way to kind of get back into my stroke for a long course swim. You mentioned earlier that, you know, the fly, usually you can be more consistent with it, but free is a little more inconsistent. I was almost opposite. My fly was never on until I was tapered. Do you think it has any correlation with just, you know, being rested and, and that being it? Or is it more of just being, you know, 
it being the right time or it just, you know, being the right group for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, personally, it's, it's less about like the feeling of being better at any taper for fly for me as it is. I can, I can hit specific times. Like my 200 pace goal times are easier for me to hit butterfly than freestyle. Just because I feel like I have more of that easy speed and fly than I do in freestyle, which I mean shows when I'm going out in my tuner fly versus when I'm going out in my tuner free. So it's just anytime doing tuner pace free, I feel like I'm kind of having to just, you know, kind of push down and go pretty hard on it. Whereas fly, I can go pretty long, pretty easy and kind of hit that time. Then if I go out again, that I can go a little, just pick up tempo a little bit, go a little bit harder, but not going to the well. You know, you mentioned the way that you swim. It's you're one of those swimmers. It seems like from the outside looking in who you've got a way that you need to swim the race. And uh, I'm, I'm curious at this point in your career, if like, you know, if you know the way that you swim a fast 200 fly is you have to let the easy speed go and go. And if you do it a different way, it just doesn't work out. Like if you try to save a little bit. Um, and I mean, I remember actually listening to, to Brett talk about like Caesar getting ready to break the world record and, and how to do it. It's like maxing the easy speed. And we were um, talking about Anthony Irvin the other day and how much easy speed he had. And it's like, you know, watching him swim hundred free at the, I think 2016 trials where, you know, he just was out of the gates, like second 25, just go. And it, and you had to, he had to go because he was going to finish the race just fine, but he was going to hold on the same way to finish the race, regardless of whether he went for that, like, and let the easy speed go or didn't mm -hmm. like saving a little bit at that easy speed, wasn't doing anything to the back end. Is that the way you feel about your butterfly races? A little bit. Yeah. I've, I've always had the thought, you know, tuner fly is going to hurt no matter what. So, why not? Why saving a little bit at the first chippy? That for me personally, that doesn't feel like it's going to help me. But then I feel like my race plan always kind of came from when I was younger, because I never had that hundred speed when I was younger. You know, my my best time going into the trials and hundred fly was fifty four, so I never really had that early speed. I never thought I had the power or speed in my fly, so it was always go out fast. So I'm staying with people and then kind of finish. And then as I got stronger, as I got through college, I had that early speed and my race plan didn't really change. So then I just ended up going out faster. And I feel like right now, like I don't feel anything wrong with my race plan. I feel like I'm just kind of working towards that, you know, being able to finish, being able to kind of pull it all together, working a lot right now with different tempos, kind of messing around with where my stroke needs to be. If I need to be a little bit longer, the first messing around with being able to pick up my tempo during tuner pace and practice hold it at that tempo for a 50 350s however long it is to throw some shade at a sc alum uh have you ever had a 200 meltdown like uh rebecca sony where just the piano fell on you oh definitely uh I've, i don't i don't know i don't even know like a specific one in mind but i've definitely had that feeling where i just nothing's working i can barely pick my arms out of the water you know it's just it's just painful to even finish and i don't even want to turn around and look at the clock afterwards who do you, what have you what's the most painful uh finish you've ever seen in a race you think painful finish i've ever seen yeah that's hard i don't know i mean I'm going to preempt this. I, I think uh, Michael Andrews' uh, 200 IMs oh. in the last couple of years uh, were pretty pretty tough to watch. Great great dude. No shade at Michael yeah. Andrews. He's awesome. But that no, race yeah. strategy is just really hard to watch the last few meters of freestyle. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like he's still going faster than from almost anyone here. But it's yeah, it's yeah. it's hard to watch, and I mean, I can feel that coming home on fly sometimes. But for freestyle, I just I just see the first like fifteen. I think, oh, this is gonna be a rough last twenty. But uh, I mean, he gets to the wall, and we, but in, in terms of like the pro scene and kind of this upper level, yeah, it's probably one of the toughest. Because obviously, I mean, I've seen guys on my club team when I was younger, 50 free sellers doing a 200 fly. And that's always hard to watch the last 25 of that. <laughs> but like you kind of said, I mean, easy speed can be de- deceptive sometimes too, especially in butterfly, right? It's like, oh man, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling, oh, exactly. oh. It, it, so you, you mentioned playing around with tempos and all those things. Is that something you only use in practice or do you actually try to think about those things during a race, like maybe the the pro series where you're still playing around things, maybe even stroke counts? Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit. It's, it's less of thinking about it in the race and more just um, trying to put it together and warm up towards I'm, my body's already feeling that tempo and feeling that rhythm in my stroke and then seeing how it plays out in the race, kind of looking back afterwards at my strokes on my tempos and seeing how different it was compared to my best times, you know, they send out those kind of numbers every time. So it's nice to be able to kind of check through those. And I always notice my prelims is only sometimes the only place it changes, but it's good to see those. And then even after this last one, especially when I've talked to my dad about our plan and everything, the changing the tempos, especially at the end of the races, the kind of tempo I've played with around a lot is having like a one, one type tempo with fly. But um, I've never really tried to push it faster unless I'm doing the 100 butterfly and kind of pushing that last 25. But the main focus now has been trying that first 50. I'm having a hard time being as long. So I'm trying to pull that back a little bit to a one, two. And then it gradually, as I get through the race, progress to where I can finish at a one, one. And my arms aren't completely dying because I pushed it too much in the middle. And I'm... Even if I'm losing power, I'm still having my tempo up enough to where I can finish the race a little better. Yeah, with watching your racing, one of the things that I've noticed is kind of your breath. You seem to come up a little higher than maybe some of the other swimmers that really, you know, keep their chin on their waterline and things like that. Are there any things technically that you're working on or do you think technically things are feeling pretty good? And now it's like you said, more just honing in the the ideal race with that full race strategy. Yeah, I feel like. A lot of that problem has come to me, especially when I rest, because when I'm in season, my body's feeling a little heavier. I'm really forcing myself to be able to come up enough to be able to breathe. And when I'm resting, I I feel I definitely notice I've had that problem where I'm my body's coming up, my head and body's coming up a little more than I want it to, and I can't tell if I'm you know using too much for that or if that's affecting the end of my race. Uh, as far as I know right now, uh, my coaches have said it's it it looks fine where it is. Uh, we can look at messing around with it if we notice it in practice and it's something that's easily to change. But otherwise, I feel like it's been all right right now. Um, I think most of that just comes from the way my rhythm and my stroke goes because a lot of my stroke is about rhythm and messing around with that just makes my stroke a little flatter, I think. And that's not really the way I want to go, especially for a tuner butterfly. Plus, if you put your head along the water and you push your neck out, right? How do you look to the right or to look to the left? <laughs> do you look? Exactly. And does that help you? Um, I've always actually gotten a lot of uh, a lot of uh, talk back about this, but I look around a lot just because I want to see where people are and I want to race. Good. But yeah, 
I've tried to like bring it down a little bit. I used to I used to hear a lot about it when I was an age group swimmer from other coaches, from my parents, no matter who it was. <laughs> so what happens in that last 25 of a 200 short course meters race and you're looking to your right and Chad looks to your left. Do you guys like make monkey faces at each other? What do you do? How, <laughs> I, how are you in Chad racing? I remember I remember um when we were doing that in the World Cup, he was I especially the Toronto one, he was a couple lanes over, so I didn't see him until like the last wall and i just saw him coming on i was like oh all right he's coming <laughs> but yeah yeah no he's he's cool he's a great racer he's really fun to race especially in that tuna butterfly yeah you guys went back and forth in the world cup circuit a little bit and and, and you know he was he was gunning for you because you, you took him down in toronto right and um <laughs> and there was a nice race in the indy talk about that some more i mean does that really push you and do you like that little rivalry do you like that little competition and keeps you going yeah Definitely. Yeah. I feel like with college swimming, you know, you get that kind of elite level racing, but being at the world cup and being able to race Chad is literally multiple time world champion. It's just a different feeling and being able to, you know, get him on a touch is a great feeling for me. Knowing I can race him and be with him. Obviously didn't have a great world at the end, but looking to kind of change that around really fix some of my end of the season kind of racing with my new training I've been doing. That was, I think, couple months into my new training so it was weird with the training into resting into trying to force that into such a small amount of time so i'm feeling a lot more confident right now in where i'm at and kind of where i can lead going forward i uh i saw chad in the hallway after you beat him at the toronto world cup and he was walking out and he goes next week i'm gonna get him i'm gonna get him (laughs) yeah yeah no I, i definitely heard a little bit of a little bit of that he was he was eager to go. He was ready to race again. Go ahead, Luke. Uh, no, I was going to uh, um, Shields and 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 Leclerc went back and forth quite a lot, and they're obviously great friends as well. Um, and and you know, how much do you um, swim out of your lane when you are racing? How often do you race, or you just swim in your lane? Do you know what I mean? Um, right. You know, I I'm always trying to swim in my lane and always trying to swim my race. But once I see someone, you know, I don't like letting them just go. <laughs> especially especially beginning with tuner fly someone who someone like me who likes to go out fast if i see someone going out i'll race them really yeah but if i but if i'm if i'm just swimming my race and i you know kind of in my own lane i'm just i'm going out no matter what anyways and if someone's there on the end i'll try to race them as much as i can but it's hard to really push or change stroke on fly who goes out the fastest in a 200 fly in the world long course yeah i mean uh milak I mean, Fifty-one. Nobody's, nobody's faster than him, right? Yeah. Fifty-one eight. I don't think so. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. So, so Trent, you you grew up. It's you grew up being coached by your dad. Um, you go to Cal, great training program, and you make the decision post Cal to go back south. You did your super senior year, so you got your you got your money's worth up there. <laughs> um, what's the deal? Like just a can could take the kid out of socal but can't take the socal out of the kid <laughs> you had a to go back bit, yeah what's, what's it like i mean i always yeah i always enjoyed living in socal and it was obviously my favorite place to be a little different now like kind of being out of the um city of la and more down in uh orange county where it's a little bit slower pace you know a little a little nicer relaxed and everything but um that that doesn't kind of came even before i knew about the pro group and everything i 
I'd kind of finished my fifth year, my fifth year. I didn't think went, I did very well or anything. I didn't, wasn't feeling great in the water. So I was kind of like, okay, Dave, you know, I need like at least two months to go back home and kind of recollect and everything. And then it ended up being my dad was got this job as the head coach of the pro group. And I was like, I, I think I want to try this out. You know, I enjoyed swimming with my dad or swimming for my dad for four years in high school. It's super easy for me to trust him. I, we talk about swimming almost every day anyways, even out of water. So it's, it's just really easy for me to just kind of communicate with him and be on top of everything, even outside of the water. So I just, just kind of wanted to take that step and see where it would go. What's it like though, in the group now, who do you have to train with? I mean, obviously I know Russ is down there with you. Mm-hmm. Who else is down there? And like, has that been an adjustment for you to have less of the team environment with a lot of people to race and, and pace with on a daily basis, especially some of the events that you uh, do. Definitely. Yeah. You know, coming from Cal where there's literally any race I want to race, there's someone there and someone that can beat me. So that was pretty amazing to be a part of and kind of have that push me to the, to the level I'm at now for four or five years. But um, now in SoCal, I kind of, I kind of go up and down groups and train different people. Obviously I have Justin in the sprint group where I can kind of, you know, try to look at him for getting that power. You know, he's probably one of the most powerful swimmers I know. So it's really awesome to kind of see that and kind of try to see what I can take into my stroke, especially the freestyle and um, that side of my swimming, like uh, for the hundred free, especially. But um, when I kind of go up, I have, uh, I, we actually have David Heron, open water swimmer. So I once in a while will go up with him and train with him when he's, Obviously, he's coming down, doing a little less. But uh, as a 200 butterflyer, I, I always need to go up, go up to a distance at least a week, once or twice a week, just to get some of that yardage in, have that training under my belt. So I'll do some like 400 type training with him, and that'll be good. You know, just kind of trying to stay with him as we get longer and longer. So obviously, I have that speed that I can stay with him, but being able to do it for, I don't know, I don't know how many thousand yards is definitely the harder part yeah. but um actually recently we had uh, a guy from cal uh, jared hatch he was a training partner up in berkeley with me and he didn't he didn't take his fifth year at cal but decided to come out of retirement and join the pro group where he's representing the philippines now he swims pretty much 100 fly 50 fly and in, in the sprint freestyles um, what about the rest of the group? Like, um, and, and what's the plan for growing that group out? Cause I feel like these things fluctuate the pro groups that are away from, uh, cl- away from college teams, you know, we've kind of seen them come and go. We had, I mean, I trained at team elite for a little while and it seems like that kids kind of disbanded even the West coast right. operation. And I don't know. So they've like popped up over time, but, um, I'm glad to see another, like, you know, move with a club team to create a, a pro, uh, post-grad kind of situation. So can you talk about a little bit of like the strategy of the group? Are you actively recruiting people to come there and join, you know, team t- super team Julian? Right. Um, I mean, I've had this talk with my parents. They've, they sat down with our group and anyone that's looking to come and it's less of us trying to recruit people and more just having the opportunity. My, my mom swam pro uh, at USC for a while, and it was really hard for her staying on the college team after she was pro and kind of continuing being being that, being that the age and the level she was at, continuing to stay with the college group and college environment. So she had always wished there was something like this around her 
uh, around her time and area. And Mission Viejo is right next to USC. So she she always says if she had had this, she definitely would have taken the opportunity mm-hmm. and wants to create something that she would have wanted to be a part of. And uh, even my dad, like we've talked about this, it's always open. Like if people, if someone wants to come and train, we have we have uh, we have the facility, we have possible uh, room room and board if someone needed, and if they just wanted to come down for a week, uh, training or kind of getting out of where they're at right now, that's it's a perfect place for that, and that's kind of why it was named more of a performance center instead of a just professional group. You mentioned room and board um, just from the outside, you know, there's been a lot like being mentioned of pro group starting, but particularly in like Southern California, I feel like that haven't really panned out. And one thing I always thought was perhaps it's the cost, right? We all know California is a very expensive place to live. Not many pro swimmers are making a ton of money. So do you think that's something that's limiting it? And kind of how does that room and board work? Is that subsidized by anyone or is that just uh, someone rooming and bunking with you? No, it's the price of avocado toast, John. Oh, that, uh, what yeah. is it? Ten, fifteen dollar books now? Oh, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, the room and board is kind of there. There is a few options right now. Obviously, I brought up when my dad was first taking this. You know, we're in we're in California, especially Southern California. This it's not cheap to live here. It's not easy for a lot of people to kind of uproot from somewhere else and decide to live here so i went back and forth with them trying to figure out what would be a good option for that and um something actually justin did for his first few months out here because i was still up north while he was first starting here because i was still finishing college and he actually stayed with the host family where uh, i think for three or four months and that's actually something mission viejo has done before where they take swimmers who want to kind of um relocate or uh, even high school swimmers. I know uh, Michael Brenninger, when he came out to Mission Viejo in, in high school, he was actually with the same family that Justin was with. And it's, uh, I don't I don't know exact prices. That, that's something that has to be discussed probably later, but it's basically staying with this, this host family that offers a room that they have open from a, uh, a kid that moved out or something. And they basically would uh yeah offer it up and it's just kind of an easier space obviously they rent it out for cheaper than what you could get probably anywhere else mm-hmm. and then um, even aside from that i've i've talked to a bunch of guys i know and if they want to come down for a week there's always a a couch or something open for any guy any of the guys on our team or in our pro group right now dude your mom was pro and you could get sponsored by bud light and stuff like that <laughs> that's cool yeah <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> Did she, uh, what was, have you ever talked to her about like swimming pro and, um, you know, what her experience was like as you're in this space now? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, uh, she talked about how she had signed with Nike and how that was huge for her and kind of definitely opened up a lot of opportunities. But um, just in terms of uh, pro swimming in the side, she always talked about um, uh, Matt Biondi and I think it was, Gary Hall, how they were kind of like the first advocates of just like pushing swimming, pushing that pro side of swimming and kind of getting that all encompassing, whether I don't, I don't remember exactly about um, just the sponsorship side, but even just like the support side of the swimming. Yeah. Yeah, It's um, 
I mean, they were, she, she came along at, at the right time when they're, mm. I guess when it yeah. first started to open up. Right. Cause I don't know. Yeah, I don't know when that basically... happened sometime in the eighties, probably where the, they, they lifted the amateurism uh, requirement for the Olympics. Something team. around there. Yeah. They, she like, she always says it was kind of like on the back end of when they were starting that. And that was kind of like the older guys, their way out and kind of her first starting. Cause I mean, she started national team when she was, I don't know. 15 16 <laughs> yeah dude real talk um you know we're we're all aware that swim cess is a thing and like bro you're you're a product of it <laughs> <laughs> i know my parents I, my parents have uh actually both grew up in southern california too so they were kind of both the the studs or whatever of southern california swimming for a long time and uh they actually told me they actually told me a story of uh when they were when they were uh growing up my my dad was dating or was going on a date with a friend of my mom and the parents didn't let them go alone. So they both had to bring a friend. So my dad brought a friend and the, my mom's friend brought my mom. <laughs> and I just, it was some amusement park or something, but that was always like, I think their first, like it, that was, I think their first experience, like really meeting each other or whatever, but yeah, funny story. And then they didn't start even dating until junior year in college and they we're both same year. They, yeah, they're both freshmen at the same time and start dating. I want to say till around junior year. It's so crazy looking at your mom's. Uh, I mean, <laughs> your your parents both had a ton of success. Um, your mom, obviously, a little bit better of the two, but you know, she at, at her her last meet, I guess it was the last big meet, ninety eight worlds. I mean, retires after that and then gets pregnant with you. Like what couldn't have been two months later. I mean, do you feel like that's why you're a good swimmer, the child of swimmers? And then like right in her prime, your mom's like, okay, I'm going to birth the next U.S. <laughs> <Yeah>. swimming star. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard a bunch of stories of uh, my parents, you know, still being at USC and having me, uh, whether that's like bringing me on the pool deck, they said my mom was still swimming after she had me. So she bring me on the pool deck and, um, kind of have me just crawl around and walk around and uh, she said she'd be working out and I'd start crawling into the water and then uh instead of like having her like stop working out he, she said Mark would tell her to like Mark Schubert would tell her to just no keep working and then he would go and grab me <laughs> <laughs> swimming in pregnancy is super helpful for pregnancy I, I like doing breaststroke mm -hmm. kicking it back up to like the day you almost give birth it's supposed to be really really good for the hips and so a lot of swimmers swim right Kelsey Dahlia all these people they all swim mm -hmm. right up Dana Volmer did you know, mm -hmm. yeah, my I was actually talking to my mom recently when she saw I think Volmer still swimming while she was pregnant for a while, and like she didn't they didn't realize back then like how good it was for you. Like they always yeah. thought, no, don't swim, you know, don't move around too much. So she was all she always like kind of talked about how like she wished she had kind of like swam a little bit more through it, and then uh, kind of been able to kind of do that transition afterwards too. Because you know, not not swimming while you're pregnant the whole time is pretty hard to get back into it after. Man, you're gonna be like a science experiment now. People go, oh, look at this. Look at look at yeah. look at what can happen. Yeah. <laughs> did your parents yeah. did your parents ever give you shit for not going to SC? No, I mean, obviously they, they wanted me to go to SC. And my dream was honestly to go to SC for a long time, but it just it they they're super supportive and they're always behind me wherever I wanted to go. And they saw the program at Cal, they saw the team, they talked to Dave, they saw the whole environment they have and they they're pretty confident it'll be good for me <laughs> um so beyond the 
you know, kind of the coaching tutelage of your dad in high school. And then now, and then, you know, sharing some stories with your mom, your mom went through her, her own kind of ups and downs through her swimming career, um, you know, ended up coming away with hardware at the Atlanta Olympics and, um, but didn't make the team in 92 and arguably she was, you know, favored to, to mm -hmm. get on the team there. And even in 96 had DQs and some of her best events at trials. Yeah. I mean, so, um, you've had your ups and downs uh, a little bit, but obviously are, are coming into, you know, some of your best swimming and the lead ups to, um, to Paris. And I, I think your timing's really good. What are, what are, have, have you kind of picked her brain on the, the mentality and some of the learnings that she had throughout, uh, you know, those experiences for her in the nineties? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've kind of talked through her stories and stuff and everything about 92, you know, she was diagnosed with mono and kind of tried to race through it and just wasn't her, wasn't a good meet. Just nothing kind of went right. And it's just really hard for her to kind of go through that and know that she was a favorite to go and kind of have that dream almost taken away and have to wait another four years to kind of go through that. But um, the, especially the 96 games, I think I took a lot away from that because the 4am that was, that was her race. That was her race to lose. Basically I, not we don't talk about it a ton obviously but i have had some conversations with my dad and he remembers watching the prelim and it, he said it was the easiest race he thinks she's ever had and had no doubt that she would have gone a good you know, three four seconds faster than her best time ever and been you know, well under uh what what it took to make the team what did but, she get uh, dq'd for it was a I believe it was the back to breast turn, something about being on your side. Mm -hmm. But um, it was the problem was the rule wasn't a FINA rule. So the rule, if it had been called at the Olympics, wouldn't have been a DQ. It was only called by one one ref at the at the US trials, and it was somehow a rule that they had, and there was no camera, there was no footage. One ref called it, then it was called. Do you think that's good for swimming? Like I've always thought that coaches should actually have the challenge flag in their sock and be able to throw it in the pool. I mean, I know you can appeal, but you can only appeal if there's been an infraction ruled on your swimmer. I think you can't appeal an infraction by another swimmer coaches, right? And let I us know. I, I'm not sure, but I think that'd be cool if you could, you know, I mean, there, there was a lot of like pushback and people trying to get it overturned and a lot of people, but there was just nothing. No one, anyone could do once it was called. So, Man, but a product yeah, I actually, I know I was actually given a, uh, or my mom was given a book recently or a couple of years ago now, probably before I was in high school. I remember seeing it and it was the title of the book was worst calls in sports history. And it was like the like third chapter or whatever was her uh, DQ at the movie trials. No way. Uh, what else was in that book? That's just like a trip I, down I, misery lane. For right. Me. No, yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to go through too deep it. into it. I just, I just remember someone sent her the book or found the book and then gave it to her from our club team or something. And it was like, this is like insane. Like, I can't believe this call is in here. Yeah. The book of broken dreams. That's going to be like alternate title. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But so, so Trenton, what have you picked up then? Like, like when you do her setbacks mm -hmm. as minor as not getting a lane you want, or, or, you know, or, or, you know, what, what do you do to like put it behind you and focus on what's next? Uh, and do you apply that to, you know, back to back doubles of a race on a, on a, on a two hour swim, you know? Yeah, I definitely felt that 
you know, in the last, last time we trialed, you know, 200 fly, my final did not go the way I, I hoped it would. I kind of got in my head a lot of the, uh, I'm going out too fast. I'm going to die. I'm, you know, kind of overthought my race, kind of thought I wasn't doing it right. Thought I saw something I needed to change. And it was obviously too late to do that the night before the race. So definitely uh, lost that race before it started, I think. But going, a- going after that race, I the next morning at the 2am. And uh, that I think that prelim 2am had to be one of the hardest races I had ever had to do. But uh, mm. kind of kind of just, you know, m- knowing it was going to be hard, knowing I wasn't going to go as fast as I could. I had to just push it with all I had in the morning and see if I could get through to the next next swim. And from there, obviously, like not sleeping that well the night before, kind of just re resettling myself after that prelim race and kind of being able to collect myself and know, like, you know, the meet's not over. I still have this two I am. I still have hundred fly the next day. You know, there's there's more chances. Like I can I can think about this once the meet's over. Yeah. Similar, similar kind of vein of thought. I'd love to talk us through your mindset when you had uh, your world record 400 medley race in Melbourne and say Fink is at the 15 turns and you mm-hmm. see the lead at Fink has that Murph gave you guys and Fink is extending and you're about to jump onto your 100 fly. The Italians and the Aussies are behind you, but they're coming. What, where was your mind at? I mean, I used to, I, I would want to throw up almost with butterflies, like so nervous. Where was your mind at? How, what do you use to help yourself get yourself ready? To, to um, de- definitely for me, it's yeah. right, especially the a hundred butterfly for me at, at a race that big and like such a high high pressure situation. The hundred butterfly is just a fun swim for me. It's a fun race to do. I you know practice. I'll swim hundred flies and nine times out of ten be like almost the exact same time. I remember at trials I swam within the same tenth in all three of my races. So it's kind of just something I go and I know like. No matter what I do, I can basically be within this tenth. So I just swim my race. Don't try to do anything super special, you know. Be consistent, be in control, and just do my job as much as I could. Obviously, I I knew looking at the guys around me, I had three different world championship world champions, you know, on my relay. So I had a pretty stacked relay where I just needed to do my job and get my hand on the wall and swim the race that I was put on there to swim. I thought the race that Luke was going to ask about was the long course world from last summer. Cause you know, mm-hmm. you, you have a good trials after NCAAs after you're saying, Oh, well, it wasn't your best college season last year. You finish up, but then you have a great trials, um, make the team and, you know, a couple events and then you go to worlds and your two fly isn't, you know, isn't on the way that you want it to be on. You don't make the final, um, you know, faster in prelims than the semi, but then you turn around and swim a lifetime best split in the two free on, in the prelim and then going into that final swim and, you know, uh, backing up a, a lackluster Olympic finish for the U S and the four by two to, to win a world title. I mean, and it seems like for you, uh, you swim a long program, especially at domestic meets and then even international meets, you sub out some of maybe the individual events that you didn't qualify for, for the relays. And then you've still got a lot of events to, like navigate through and it seems like you know you're probably still in this process of learning how to how to get the body ready to peak form but keep it there throughout the the meet and also have consistency across your fly and freestyle but after having that setback in the two fly and that not going the way that you wanted to last summer what what were the what was the thoughts going into the four by two and then switching strokes to freestyle yeah i mean 
personally, I, I love relays. I've always had the most fun in relays ever. Um, and just being able to flip that switch where, you know, I feel like I, I want to be on this relay, you know, I want to be able to, uh, put my, put my best effort forward. And no matter what happened, if I had a bad swim before I'd turn it around, this, this relay isn't for me. This is for the other three guys in the country representing. This is bigger than just my swim, but I'm not, I'm not going in it to just see how I can do personally and being able to swim with three other guys. And I, my, my favorite relay is 800 freestyle relay. So I've always had a lot of fun in that. And I feel like I hadn't really ever gotten to do a real one long course, especially kind of growing up. So just being able to have fun with those other three guys who are obviously amazing 200 freestylers and just knowing all, all th- I can fully trust all three of the other guys and just swim my race to the best I can do and be able to kind of put together whatever I can put together that day. Yeah. I can remember a similar feeling being on, you know, short course worlds relay with, with Nathan Adrian and Ryan Lochte and being surrounded by those guys going, okay, well, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm sort of protected in here, you know, like I know <laughs> these guys are going to swim fast. I know they consistently deliver. Um, but what you're expressing there, you know, especially people, a lot of people who thrive on the college environment and the team, they can, it's, it's easier to get up for individual swims when you're swimming for your college team. But then when they move into a professional or post-grad situation, some of, some people struggle with um, the purpose, you know, and, and getting as amped up and there's different energy at, at those types of meets and, and long course, obviously a little bit different. We get to the big meets and you're swimming for team USA. Right. But like, are there some things that you can learn from the mentality you just expressed about I'm swimming for something bigger than me. I'm swimming for the other people here as you prepare for your individual swims. Definitely. I I've kind of played with this, not played with this, but tried to experience this as I go through even tier pro meets where it's not so much pressure being put on myself to where, you know, this is my only chance I need to go fast here or I can't go fast anywhere else and it's more of just this is a race i'm gonna race whatever the best i can today and see how it goes and you know, i don't want i don't want to lose <laughs> so just try to beat the guys around me and see what i can do and you know even at the pro swim, pro swim series just you know just like not really treating it as just a race that doesn't matter kind of putting not the pressure on myself but putting that kind of expectation to perform expectation that i want to be the best i can be right now you 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 know you remind me of jason lizak's obviously epic relay anchor um and we all know that race and and your dad worked with jason for a number of years what's what's your best jason lizak story not necessarily regarding that leg but anything Mm -hmm. else because he was the epitome of putting usa first dropping Mm -hmm. it down when it mattered you know like he didn't care he went for it he swam his lane did his thing what's your best dad's jason lizak story um i don't i don't know i jason was just such an awesome guy you know when i was growing up he was kind of the the guy everyone wanted to be like the that relay seeing that finish you know I, we've all heard the the announcer and the watching the race and just almost know it word for word and everything but it's just that that race in itself was so amazing and then seeing how he had progressed and how he had swam for years and years before that and how consistent he had been at that high level is just something that was so amazing and it's kind of kind of like 
he is like that that level that you want to be working towards but um i i think my my dad and jason were actually pretty close growing up so a story i always remember and kind of keep, keep close to me was we uh they they were both pretty close friends with another with another swimmer from uh from high school or college and he had had a wedding in mexico or something and you know obviously as a swimmer you don't want to take too many days off at least touch the water or something so he was still swimming and i was uh middle school or something swimming and we had both gotten in just to practice and um i remember he like we were just messing around he had done the you know the partner kick pull where one person swims one person kicks uh we had done that and i just remember even like no matter where i was in that it was always just the the crazy like power he had behind that kick just pushing me forward or when I was kicking, he was just pulling me along and I was just kind of that weight behind trying to see if I could kick as much as I could. But um, being able to just kind of be in the water with him and have that experience where I'm, you know, I'm just bright eyed kind of kid who's trying to trying to like seeing this Olympic level athlete who's at the top of their game, no matter like how old I'm, I'm not even old he was getting, but like just kind of showing that uh, you career doesn't have to stop when you're like what 26 you can yeah. you can keep going for a little while no and 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 also um one thing i do miss about the isl was just the roles that some of our um legends played and giving back to the sport and developing the sport to see jason mm-hmm. as a gm see caitlin as a gm you know um it was great and jason was a great gm as, as was proven with the, was, was championships right in the isl mm-hmm. um and, and I miss that. Do you miss the ISL? And do you miss more than just what we know, the camaraderie, the racing, the excitement? But do you miss how it may have been lifting sports? Do you, you and your dad and your mom talk about that? Yeah, I've, I've talked, My you know, my dad being able to coach it, he kind of got that hands-on experience with the ISL and everything. I I watched it. I watched it from home every time. Yeah. I, I love watching swimming. So I just watched the racing, watched how much fun it looked like people were having and I'm, they would pan to the coaches and pan to the GMs every once in a while and how invested they were in everything. Just was so awesome to see. And something you don't get to see all that often is seeing those, those alumni of the sport or uh, kind of past fit figures and past stars kind of being so invested in it and so excited for fast swimming and just racing. You mean you didn't go to the local Cali Condors uh, sports bar and watch? <laughs> uh, unfortunately not. <laughs> um, what do you think is next for swimming then uh, with, with no, I mean, ISL doesn't look like it's going to happen again. So what, what's, uh, what's next to, to grow the sport of swimming? What do you think? It's hard. I mean, I think it's really important that people are swimming fast not just during Olympic years. I feel like in the past, it's kind of been obviously taken away from like Worlds 2009 and a couple different swimmers during Worlds throughout the years. The Olympics has been where people like, you know, this is like the important one. You need to be on here, fast here, and then kind of training through the rest of the three years almost. And uh, I think how important it is that people are being able to swim fast all the time and how fast the sport is getting by itself so people have to be able to swim fast you can't get away with you know having like an easy swim or a swim where you're just kind of not having to give it your all where you know guys like 
it's like Ilya going 54-4 at a tier pro meet. It's not really something you see or you've seen very often and uh, kind of pushing the sport to being fast more frequently. I feel like pushes the just uh, popularity and kind of getting the sport out there more often and how consistent it is. But so, you know, a lot of us swam in, in an era where, and even to some extent yourself, right? Like um, in, in programs and training groups where the expectation is that there's a, a trough and a, and a deep training load and then a peak and your peak performance um, is perhaps going to be uh, negatively impacted by um, swimming faster in season and being fresher throughout the year. Do you think, do you think that was just like um, a misunderstanding of human physiology uh, has, you know, it sounds like you're at this point where your training now is to be able to stand up and, and swim fast. And so obviously like you put in hard work, but you're putting in only so much hard work that, like as much as you can, but still to come to meets and, and be reasonably fast. So um, do you think that the sport is missing out on like higher highs because we're trending in a direction of consistently fast throughout the year? Um, I think definitely we can see that a little more, you know, the kind of just changed. We saw ISL so many people swimming so fast, so frequently it didn't yeah. hinder them. You see a lot of the people who are top there, are now breaking world records, are now top of the world championships, are now just being able to get more opportunities to race, more opportunities to race the best in the world and get that confidence, get that just experience and being able to understand that so many more people can race at that level. And just being able to, it's like in college swimming where, you know, you see one person break a barrier and then next couple of years, just more people follow, more people follow to where that barrier is just something that, is almost seen across the board, but um, definitely is kind of pushing that popularity, pushing that kind of uh, just knowledge of the sport and people being able to know kind of what's happening, I think. Um, one topic I wanted to hit just because uh, your dad has, has gone through this um, uh, cancer battle and uh, is uh, thankfully you know, on the right side of it right now. But I remember uh, reading just some reactions that he had reflecting on uh, being cancer free. And he mentioned being so in awe of just observing and watching your process and, and your development. A, what does that mean to you? And B, what do you think he means by that? Uh, I mean, to me, it means the world. I'm when he first was diagnosed was when I was in high school and it kind of, almost was like a switch to me it's where it's like okay like I, I don't i don't know what's like what's certain now i need to like i need to at least do something i need to show i want to show him something before no matter like before we don't know what what, what could happen so it's that was just kind of where i was like okay like it's time to get going it's time to do something do something pretty crazy or do something pretty great and um, be able to kind of get him excited and get him you know looking forward being able to look forward to that and as you said um him kind of uh having that outlook on me and i think he's always been supportive of me and um helped me through whatever i need so i think he's always just been super excited whenever i'm doing well or whenever i'm happy so it's just having that support behind me is just one of the best things in the world and 
uh, I have no doubt in my mind that he's ex- not expecting more, but he knows I can do more and is always ready to ready to see me do well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's inspiring. All right, man. We got some, uh, some rapid fire to uh, wrap up before we let you go. All right. I'm good. What's the hardest race in swimming? Where I am. Olympic gold or world record? Olympic gold. Do you pee in the pool? Yes. What is your current pump up song or what's on your playlist? Uh, Eminem. Anything Eminem? Uh, Lose yourself. Yeah. Uh, What are you currently watching or reading? Um, uh, I don't really have anything right now. I've I've kind of rewatched Avatar Last Airbender recently. That was kind of random, but we watched that during the meet. But yeah. Uh, (laughs) Roll on bears or fight on? Roll on bears. Uh, what's the best race you ever saw live? Best race I ever saw live? Oh, shoot. Oh, that's hard. Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, Hunter Fly final Olympic trials 2016, mm-hmm. I think it was. Mm, okay. What is the most amazing thing you've seen someone do in practice? What's an amazing thing in practice? Wow. Um, I mean, I've maybe maybe Tom Hunter fifty fly. I want to. I don't even remember the time. I just remember I just was swimming next to him, and I could barely see his feet at the seventy five. <laughs> do you remember? It was, was, was one hundred fifty yards. All right, admission. How much social kick do you guys do? Uh, couple couple times a week, especially on Thursdays, we have a recovery day. So sometimes it's like up to 400 social kicks. So 400, nice. Oh, that yeah. take us about 20 minutes. Uh, yeah. 30 <laughs> minutes. I don't know how long, Luke. So, uh, yeah, that that itself probably takes like 15, 20 minutes. Oh, for sure. All right, Luke's then that's the, an hour. Luke's the, <laughs> Luke's the slowest kicker in the world. So I focus on the social side. <laughs> yeah. That's the important side. Oh Thank man! You. All right, Trenton, not too much. Trenton, what's next for you? Um, training down here at Mission. I got Smock coming up, so I'm getting ready to kind of swim some off events there, swimming the champions. And then after that, I got the Tier Pro Series in Mission, going to swim some events again there. Otherwise, just kind of getting ready to race, getting some training in while I can, getting ready for uh, the well, World's Qualifying Meet. Sick. Awesome. Well, dude, it's fun to chat with you. Thanks so much Thank for you. hanging out with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was fun. All right, that's it for this episode of Social Kick. We'll see you next time. See you guys. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying Social Kick, tell your friends about it. And be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick. And you can find all of our content on our website,